Sanders, I have incredible news. We are back at Interplay Recording in Boulder, Colorado to record season two and three of The Ampersand, coming to your favorite podcast platform beginning this September. To satiate our listeners' love for the alchemy of anding, we're releasing a behind-the-scenes conversation between producer Tim and me about the ampersand's origins, how exactly we come up with the quick and dirty, and the stories we tell ourselves. Give us a listen, and remember to check back soon for more episodes of The Ampersand. Okay, back to Anne's. I have another question for you, Tim Grassley. Oh, I have one for you as well. Back at you. Okay, I'm going to say, um, because you're you're a writer and a poet and a word lover, favorite book title with Anne? <laughs> oh, shoot. It doesn't have Anne in it. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's harder. This game is, is harder than is. our people make it look who come on the show. It's true. Yeah, I think really... It's impressive when we have a guest like Sammy who can rattle something off really rapidly or... Even if it's cheating. A couple of them cheated, but they still had an answer. Yeah. But it is really impressive because having actually heard all of their answers and having thought, actually, what would I say in this context? I did not think about book titles and I have no idea. (laughs) You are stumped. War and Peace? Can you just go (laughs) Russian lit? Can we just do the obvious, my friend? All of of them. All of the Uh, Russian books? Yeah, every (laughs) book. Because you get halfway through and you need a new title. Um, But the, yeah, geez. And I think the other challenge I'm running into here is I keep thinking the same title over and over and over again. And that's not helping you. Okay. You got any questions for me? Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually really interested to know why you wanted to do this in the first place. So I would, you know, the, the story of the podcast is that you had an idea about who, what, what this area of interest is. And you had been talking to people about it. And then you were like, Hey, I want to make a podcast, Tim. Can you make that happen? And I was like, yeah, that's fun. Sounds great. And it was like the second time uh, we met. Right. And this sounds cool. And I have ideas about how we would make it work. But I, I'd, I'm interested to juxtapose your your initial impetus for this one yeah. and then supplement that with what I was thinking, I guess. I, I love that. Okay. So on what would have been our second professional date, and I said, I want to do a podcast and I want to talk about anding. Did I get that far in it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what I have been so excited about is turning things that aren't usually verbs into verbs and how I see that in other folks. And when I witness it in them, it does hold a mirror back to me and it helps me see, oh, it's not just that you're endlessly busy or you're crazy busy, as everyone always says. You're actually connected to all of these things that you are inspired by. And when you are inspired by other folks who are doing that, when you hear their stories, it actually lights that in you. So I thought about writing about it and I love writing, but this felt like it really needed the voice of the other human. And if it was written by me, it would be translated into my voice. So then interviewing folks, which I love human people, and I wanted to talk to more of them in my gig, where I felt like I could just be doing email and Zoom, this felt like, yeah, let's do this thing where we let other folks tell us about how they're verbing. And I get to meet them. I get to sit with them, feel their energy, be in a human space, and then other people can receive it in a podcast. So that was the jam. What about you? What did you think? 
so when you started talking about anding, I think the reason why it resonated with me is I I am somebody who that I that I can't I can't stay in a lane mm. that um, for years I would hold a job for. 18 months to two years and then I would switch uh, because I just I would get bored I would need to do something else and so uh, I only recently I I also juxtaposed that to a pretty what I saw was a a high emphasis culturally going on of specialization that that people were um, becoming what I'll use the word craftsman um, of a very specific skill and they were rewarded for it. And so I think there was a little bit of me that was like, ah, that's so cool. And I will never be able to become a craftsman. Just I can't, I can't pay attention long enough. Uh, And so I was like, oh, geez, this sounds like someone who is leaning into generalization, uh, but in a way that gets into specialization and I thought that was interesting I thought it was it was it's the third thing right it's right a, that's what I'm always excited like, what's the third thing that comes right. out of you weren't setting these up against one mm-hmm. another you weren't yeah. like I had also heard like the future of higher education is interdisciplinarity mm-hmm. right and and I was like yeah yeah that's right the the generalists are all freaking out but I think what you were saying was let's let's step away from these two things yes and, and the then, words that we've been using that right. get kind of coined and kitschy and catchy, and they don't tend to mean anything after a while. Like, yeah, how do we find new, right, new language entirely mm-hmm. for for embracing seeing seeing all of these disparate interests as as a superpower, as as something that makes you you, and so I just thought that was really exciting and cool. And so what I started to do was search for people that seemingly were doing that that weren't tied down to hey i'm a i'm a this i'm a blah yeah i'm a very specific thing um and it it opened up a pretty wonderful pandora's box because we you had been saying as well as i was starting to search for people everybody does this they just don't always talk about it Uh, and to varying degrees and it was fun to see just how varying those degrees were i mean it's amazing to me when i look at what gets people excited Mm -hmm. and i can be excited with that person's excitement you know for the conversation but the fact that they will they will devote their lives to these things like me and dance you know like and words and there's it's that folks can care that much about bugs that they find a thousand ways to pray (laughs) in the form of bugs like that is the that's the thing so it's a trip and i I, yeah i love it and it's super it's so it's just fun to get to talk to people and not know i think part of what's been the joy of doing this is we script it but then it's you know it's just stones moving in a river and the conversation is just going all over and and there's something holding it which has been really you know exciting and galvanizing I think both for the humans we talk to and for me and hopefully for the listeners but it's so free where the conversation goes once you start to spark with these different ideas and I think that's what those ideas do in that kind of third thing spark of a way to use Tim's one of Tim's favorite words spark um it's exciting to just be thinking with new ideas and to watch these brilliant people think with this new concept and and see themselves and their work differently. Yeah, it's been a joy. 
Yeah. What are some of the surprises that have come along the way? Because I'm sure you had expectations about how this would go. And then, I mean, beyond beyond just the actual execution of it, of sitting in a room recording this thing. But what, what has surprised you? Well, it was really surprising. Haley, I thought I, you know, I knew Haley as a student. And I thought I knew how maybe she might answer. But she went through this like kind of beautiful, like you could, we talk about the alchemy of ending. She had like an alchemic response in her body in real time on the show. And it was super cool to watch her go, oh yeah, I'm going to take this and this and that's who I am. And I always have been this awesome. That was awesome for me. Um, I also was kind of stunned by the tenderness of the conversation with Gabby I've, I've been in spaces with Gabby and I'm so inspired by her ferocity. And so to see the tender side of her ferocity and still see that it had, it, it still has teeth, but it's, oh, that was just, that was a lovely conversation. Mm. Yeah. And then there's a moment when Christopher Lowry is talking about walking into the field and I was there and he was in poet mode. So here's the scientist who's got so many crazy passions and endlessly curious and the detail of his mind aligns with my understanding of detail from a place of poetry Mm. and he's doing it from a space of science and they're the exact same thing Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. that's cool i think i was (laughs) that's very cool i i think i was really surprised at how significant it was to the interviewees as well as to us that that I think I initially pursued these people because I thought they were intriguing people that that Gabby's work as a filmmaker is is fascinating that she sees this medium as a method to bring about a more just and equitable society is very cool. Yeah, especially uh, at, her, at her time in her life. Right. So young yeah, and still so young just and crushing. S- just totally crushing. <laughs> totally it's crushing. so lit to, yeah, yeah. to form and content. Uh, and, and so they, I knew that they would all be fascinating people in their own way. I just tend to be fascinated by people, but I was surprised at how much it meant to them to be, to have this opportunity for someone to listen to their story yeah. with the desire to broadcast it. Yeah. And and that that's fascinating because I think it's it's also the I mean the fascinating thing about this as a method is it's really vulnerable for for these people to come on and share what makes them tick, what makes like these passions that maybe they don't talk about yeah. that often. I mean to varying degrees. Sammy probably talks about whatever his interests are, wherever he is. But to get to land them all in one space. Right. Yeah. Where somebody is saying, that's great that you love entomology. Let me talk about gospel choir. Wait, what? You sing in Thai? Tell me about that. And. But isn't that the like first date we all dream of? Right. Where someone actually cares about your dimensionality and isn't trying to make you be same, same or connect to something about them. Because that's, I mean, that's kind of the cool thing about this is it isn't about approving anything it's just about learning so i'm like ah show it like share it all that's i think don't we all want to be seen like that i think so i mean it's been a long time since i've been on my first date but but did you feel that way on your first date so i did that was partially my i vividly (laughs) remember my roommates saying it's not a go and and i said i i have never been on a date 
like the date that I went on with my partner because she was asking me really hard questions. Yeah, that got at all of you. Yeah, that that she was she was like you. It's great that you love the color blue, but I would like to know what it is about language that sparks your curiosity. Uh, that's interesting. How do you think that affects your day to day? So she was asking these like intense, wide open questions for me. And, um, and that, that and that feels. Yeah. I mean, I, I was like, geez, I feel seen. I don't know yeah. if she felt that way. I hope so. Cause she said yes to the eight too, but <laughs> so I'm, I'm assuming it went okay. I think it went great. Um, yeah. I think uh, it went great. but it's, but it's, um, I think that is something that we all hope for. And maybe that's what people recognize. I mean, the something that has been very cool to see is the degree of excitement that people feel at the potential of being able to come onto this show. I think that was also a pleasant surprise that... That they want to be here. That they want to be here. That this could function as, as a way to tell these really fascinating stories in a, in a beautiful way for people who may or may not be celebrities. I think that's kind of awesome. It's really awesome to get to be the star of your own life yeah. in that moment and get to share it out with folks. Mm-hmm. I think there's also something, too, when we look at academics who talk about their work. And we got a lot of friends on here who are academics. And it, it, what? I know, yeah. just saying <laughs> um, that it's a that it's a. Often it's an expectation to share your research mm-hmm. and that your resume becomes your identity. And so when you get to think back into your body and your memory and your own human story and then also, you know, riff and let that bump off of your research, that's not your usual journal panel. Mm-hmm. It's not the way you stand up in front of a class. Oh, that was a really cool moment. We were talking with... Um, one of our guests about, oh, why do you share that with Sarah? Do you share the personal with your students? Sarah was like, huh. Like it had never occurred to her. Mm-hmm. And that, oh, maybe, yeah. Because that's what got me excited was my human story, having an experience and then diving deep. How could we use that to get others lit? Students, you know, our, our, our neighborhood folks who maybe even just say, how are you doing today? What would it be like to actually share something mm-hmm. and build connection? Yeah. So that's our secret mission of the ampersand <laughs> is to build connection. Yeah. What? So you've mentioned in the intro uh, a few times that you are a dancer, mother, filmmaker, college administrator, yada, yada, yada. So will you give us the brief bio? Will you uh, do the, you know, the, our, our wonderful connection to Tacoma, Washington, just to shout out to a a funny place. I love it. (laughs) Tacoma, Washington in the nineties. I know making work at PLU, um, to the Bulgarian women's choir. I know, which I just listened to recently because it has that kind of winter solstice. Like, ah, yeah. Okay, so I always say dancer first. And I hope that that's not just aspirational and that I my knees continue to love that identity, but I, I just am such a dancer person. I see the world through movement. And, um, and I love words and I love all the things that come up for me with filmmaking and movement and words and language and and writing, but when I write, I'm also tracking my body to find the right verb and the right feeling and then trying to express that in words. So the body is always the thing. It's a dancer. And then the hardest part is mother, 
because it's got so much ache and tenderness in it and you can't control it or even pretend to. So like dancing in my own body and the details of words and making, I can at least pretend to control. Ah, oh, human comes in with his own karma and says, I'm your kid. Ah, oh, and I love him. 11 years old, lightning in a bottle. Um, and it's really, I learned so much about myself in the ways that I have to keep remembering that I need to be improvising and playing and all the other ways of ending so that I don't just mother in the way I think of that as a singular verb. Um, that's huge for me or I will lose my mind. Um, I'm an administrator. I, I, I care about students and their success. And so I work with a team of incredible humans to make sure that students are thriving in the academy and that we as an academy are thriving because we're attending to our students who are all Anders naturally. And they're all like doing this thing. Talk about crushing it. They are, they're anding all day and they're teaching me all the time about verbing. And I think yeah, being a, a collaborator, I talk about that because I actually like the collaboration that we have. We're making something I would have never made. I would have never gotten to do this. And so, and that's the dream. And then all, all of a sudden, Tim will write like a thing. Okay, our dear listeners have to know that Tim will write a thing and it sounds so much like me. And we've only known each other for like 10 minutes. And it's kind of creepy because he could just forge letters to all of you and you'd think it was from me. And I'm sure he's going to get my signature down. But it's like, it's also in that way of being seen. It's like the best first date over and over again. Every time you share back to me my voice and um, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Collaborating. Yeah. Collaborating is big. Love it. Yeah. I love it. How'd I do? Was that a good bio? That's a great bio. Um, there's, uh, I'm going to ask a potentially hard question. I don't think it's actually hard, but uh, I, I heard that the stories we tell say more about where we are right now yeah. than the actual accuracy of the stories themselves. <laughs> and so I'm interested to know what, uh, we can keep this to, to ending, but what are the ending stories you're telling right now? And what do you think they say about where you are right now? Well, I 112% agree with the way you're framing this question because I, when I speak to first year students and we do this thing where we kind of tell our dance career and I have been, I used to have a, a script that I would kind of, when I would talk about going to the jail yard school and I would talk about the quote that I would say when I left Juilliard, my name is more important than yours. And I had this like script, how I left Juilliard at 19. And I would tell it in the same way that I wasn't learning anything from it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, because I wasn't even hearing it anymore. I was just talking about being weighed in on Fridays and wrapping my body in saran wrap. And like, all, I was just saying this litany of things and I was like, oh, this isn't telling anything about you right now. And you're not learning. Why tell this story again and again the same way? So um, so I love the way you frame that question. Things that I'm thinking about ending right now. It can be. I mean, really, so I'm interested about yeah. the the actual stories that you're telling yeah. on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So when you think of stories you tell at a cocktail party about yeah. who you are um, and not just not just in the abstract form, you know, like not just a in the abstract labels that we're talking about. It's yeah. it's more like the when I was in 
uh, when I was a junior in high school, I listened to Tool and blah, blah, blah. This is what that meant. Like when I tell the story of the worst lie I've ever told, Mm -hmm. which I have this great story of having a show and tell moment where I have this incredible Madame Alexander doll, like those dolls that would be, this one was Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz. And like I will... I, I, I have a script. I have an old script. I'm not going to read that script. I'm going to tell the story differently because it's about lying and it's about drama and comedy. And it's um, also about pleasing my mother, uh, I'm realizing, which is really important right now because my mom is um, not her healthiest. So the way I used to tell the story was just all comic effect. It was just like, ta, 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 it's a pow. And then I get to the punchline. It's a miracle. And that's the punchline is, it's a miracle. Okay. So when I get to that part, when I get to the punchline, you'll know that's the way I used to tell it. But that's not what the story would be about if I were to tell it to you today in a cocktail party. So I, I go to the show and tell. I want to be the best at show and tell. I want to win. <laughs> show and tell. <laughs> and so it's not enough that I have a Madame Alexander, Dorothy Dale, I tell this lie and start fake crying in front of Mrs. Walt Smith's class that my mom was in a car accident and broke both her arms and legs and sent the nurse down to the um, the store the at the hospital, you know, da, 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 to get me a, one last present. And I get like all teary. Okay, that's the way I used to tell the story. And then I would say the teacher comforted me and the class was so sad and they all wanted to see the doll. And then I walked outside because I thought my grandfather was picking me up from school that day. And there comes my mom bounding out of the Buick. And I fall to my knees and say, it's a miracle. <laughs> okay. But, what I'm, but now when I tell the story in a split screen, Hannah Gadsby style, I already told you the end. So that that's not the punchline. But what what I see right now in my body is like I get teary thinking, oh, my mom bounded out of the car and today she's on six liters of oxygen. So I think, and my mom is always so beautiful. She's in these um, thin cut jeans and this scoop neck cream sweater. I've never described my mom when I've told this story. And she's got this gorgeous shoulder length hair when all the other moms wore like haircuts. My mom had this long wild hair, which is probably why I don't cut my hair. Um, and she was just the most beautiful woman in the world. And she bounded. She has so much. She had so much energy. So today I would tell that story as a way of um, feeling into how much I loved my mom. And I always wanted to be like the best for my mom because she was a, the most beautiful woman who had boundless energy. And today she's sitting in a hospital feeling like crap. And uh, yeah, so it feels it becomes tender instead of a punchline. Mm-hmm. Did that answer it? Yeah. It's a great answer. Yeah. It's a funny story, the way she yeah. used to tell it. It's hysterical. <laughs> it's a miracle. I mean, who wants to win? Who wants, who wants to, to win, win Sharon? Show and tell? Yeah. Yeah, me. This, this, this guy. Yeah, but that is, it's profound, the way it shifts. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't know that. Didn't know that about that story. Thanks, Tim Grassley. Yeah. So what's so funny about Tim Grassley in my life is that I knew you as an email voice for years and I had no idea of who you are. And there's a lot of people in our lives who are just email signatures. And now in Zoom world, they're not even, they don't even have bodies anymore. I would just, I, I, you always existed. Even when you were just, an email to me, you are existing, having this whole human life. Doesn't that just, 
how, how can we talk to everyone enough? How can we get to, like, how do you in this one wild and precious life want to know people? How do you want to come to know people? Because there's so many people that we experience, but we don't know. So how do you, what does that look like for you? Or are you happy with your five people? So I do love my five people. Um, and it's probably more like three people. Uh, but but, but uh, something that I think I'm leaning into as a as a superpower is that I, I effectively mirror people pretty well. Um, and for a long time, this is a whole different story, but is that was a survival mechanism for me to get through middle school in, in particular. But, uh, what I was able to do was just reflect people's state, uh, really well. Um, over time, I think I mashed that together with a curiosity about people's stories, uh, just who they are as as individuals, as as distinct humans who experience the world in a way that's different than the way I experience the world, and that, that's something that's just fascinating to me. And so I've mashed that together with a, a desire to ask interesting, open-ended questions. And so I I think I mean the pandemic messed this up pretty well for me because I, I realized, <laughs> I realized, uh, at a party recently that I just need to, I need to work on my social skills again. I, I'm just struggling <laughs> with just asking, get to know you questions yeah. because I go straight to these pretty heavy ones that I think the, the benefit of it when it works out is what I end up doing is getting genuinely getting to know somebody yes. even for even for 60 seconds. And them getting to know you from that depth of question. I mean, that says so much about who you are. Right. So I think, I think to answer your question, what do we do? Because there's so many people, you, you ask interesting questions of the people who are in front of you and just see what happens. Um, something my, my, I have a seven-year-old son who really often does the same things that he he will ask these really rich profound philosophical questions and for seven-year-olds that can be tough to to process i think we are not really accustomed to asking those questions of one another and being able to say to somebody who's in front of you it's something that i i um (laughs) so i was a barista at starbucks um and it was one of those experiences that actually really did profoundly shape how I engage with my world because Starbucks for all of its faults has an expectation of its baristas that you will make an emotional connection in under 35 seconds. It happens almost every time. It's every why time. I go there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and it's why you pick it over other yeah, coffee Erica shops. With a K, they have, know. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Over, over places with substantially better coffee. That's um, part of your, that's not real. Right. Well, it's not, Oh God, wait, it, wait, wait. I thought they cared about me. Well, they, possibly do. I think that's the thing is you start caring once you start right, caring. Exactly. So you can, you can say, you can be cynical and say it's artificial because it's trained. Uh, but at the same time, I got to know people that just kept coming back. It's a muscle. It's a muscle. Caring and gratitude. And, muscle. and also, so caring and gratitude, but also the, the capacity to ask somebody something significant about themselves or about their day. Um, so that they feel even a glimpse of feeling seen. Mm. And it's 
something that I think we can do a lot more of. I, th- I think a podcast is a really wonderful opportunity to to blast that out to the world and hopefully to to thousands of listeners. But even in a in a daily conversation when we're drifting around Old Main or even across campus, like today, I have a volunteer thing that I'm going to go to. Having the chance to say to somebody what makes them tick, I think is 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 pretty awesome. So so yes, I I mean I <laughs> I know that for years I was the email voice, uh, and there is something bizarre about that too. Because you're that for a lot of people too. Yeah, I'm that for thousands of people. So what is it like for you to get to show up dimensional? Yeah, <laughs> sometimes it's sometimes. Uh, Sometimes you because, like being the man behind the curtain. Well, yeah, I, I not. It's it's <laughs> more about Tim. it's more about how how did you envision me? I mean, I, I'm yeah. still kind of I think middle school insecure about that. Yeah. I I'm in, or, but I'm also curious. How did it's I envision like, you? How how did I show up in email? I I think that's also Sup- fun. It to was talk super about. generous. Like really, like you really care. I thought that you only cared about theater and dance. From your, I thought you were only asking these questions of us because we had such great content. I mean, I honestly, it was funny to me now when I think I'm like, oh, Tim Grassley asks that of everybody, um, which doesn't ultimately make me feel less special in our in our now bridge. You guys friendship. do have phenomenal content. We do have great content. I mean, dancers give good content, but it, yeah, it, it felt so much like. Like care. And I think that's an extraordinary gift. And, and, and in this moment in time, when we can get anyone to care about anything for just that length of a latte or the length of a podcast or just the length of um, a connection at the grocery store, we're doing something in our human existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the ampersand. The ampersand. Trying to get people to care yeah. about their stories. Yeah. Caring and listening. Yeah. Thanks, Tim Grassley. Yeah. Thanks, Erica Randall. You're welcome. <laughs> Onward to season two. Season yeah. two. <laughs>